and welcome to the weekly football review show with myself, Gav Mack, and we are testing out some real swanky bits and bobs, and I'm really hoping that you'll be able to see our Alex in a couple Hello. of moments. There he is, Gav Hello. Mack and Alex Osborne. There he is. There's Hello, Gav how are you doing? There. How are you, pal? I'm uh, I'm very well, thank you very much. Uh, this is uh, all very new to us, and we're all very tentatively uh, hoping this works out, aren't we? Very As I true, just... indeed. So I'm just gonna let you know what we are going to be talking about. So on this week's edition, with myself, Gav Mack, and of course Alex Osborne for two up top, sponsored by DC Music Services, we'll be talking about uh, COVID nineteen because we have no choice but to speak about it at some point. And there'll be many other businesses as well going on. But what we're going to be doing for the next four particular shows uh, that are going to be brought to you by us is breaking down each team in the Premier League one by one, five teams a week. And we'll just do it in alphabetical order, just make life a bit easier. So we'll be talking about AFC Bournemouth. Yes, they're going first, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not biting. I'm not biting. <laughs> we'll be talking about the Arsenal, Aston Villa, Brighton and Burnley. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, if anyone can hear us or anyone's watching, I'm hoping you can give us a little bit of feedback to see what the sound looks like because I can hear myself and it's really bloody annoying. So, um, I'm not quite sure what, what you can hear, Alex. I, Joe, I, all I can hear is you, bro. So, I mean, I appreciate you might be getting a bit of feedback issues and we've been trying to sort it out, haven't we, for the last couple of hours, letting people into the uh, sort of behind the scenes, if you will. But uh, uh, hopefully you'll be able to um, push past that and uh, be like a pro that I know you are and we can get this, uh, this show on the road, basically. Well, it's 9.33 in the evening and the show is meant to go live at 7 o'clock. We've been working on this since 4pm. So, goes to show what, what's, uh, what's happening from our end. Exactly. So, I mean, um, before we do get into it, should we just like just say again, big thank you. I, 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 when I logged on to our Facebook page there about how we've now surpassed 700 followers of the page. And indeed. Or we could just thank everybody who has followed us up to this point. And we really do appreciate everybody who follows us and supports the page and looking for us to grow. And obviously along with all of our social media um, uh, handles and Twitter, Twitters and Facebook and well, Instagram. I'm not sure how much we've gone on that, but you know, at two up top football for everything, isn't it? Uh, there, I'm pretty along the bottom of your screen in a couple of moments. So, yeah, like, follow, share. That's how we do it. Mm. So, without any further ado, let's talk football because that's what we're here for. Exactly. Great, great shout. Let's do it. Bournemouth, AFC Bournemouth, Athletic Club Bournemouth. <laughs> talk to me about their season, Alex. Okay. Well, so. I've uh, I've been doing my research for this and from from memory, uh, Bournemouth. I've I've looked what I've done for each club just to let you know. I've looked at sort of like their transfers that they did through in the summer, 
and then also in the winter sort of January transfer window. And I haven't done all of them because on the the material I was using to get this information has given absolutely everything. So like all the young players have loaned out, etc. So I've done what I thought would be sort of like main transfers. And this is what I found for Bournemouth. So like, your man that you like from last season, he played for Uh No, Billing. Pete Billing. Oh, Pete well, Billing, is it, yeah. is it Pete Billing? Or is it... Uh, 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 you, I, know, I know you got his Billing, but I uh, call him Pete Billing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he came in in the summer for just under £15 million. Uh, Lloyd Kelly, they signed as well for £13 million. And uh, Dan Juma uh, was their record, or their biggest signing of the summer, money-wise, was £16 million. Um, the biggest outgoings was Tyro Mings. He actually officially left... Um, to go to Villa for twenty million, and Lise Mousset, who uh, went to Sheffield United, as we both know. Um, right. So those were kind of like their major dealings. So <laughs> as we as we as we know, uh, that that kind of places them in a good in a in a good spot. Also, actually, I should say Asmir Begovic as well. He's gone on two loan spells, um, and he was pretty much their first choice goalkeeper, wasn't he, for the past couple of years? Really, yeah. which was a bit of a it was a bit of a shock to uh, see them lo- loaning him out. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on that one were. Do you think well, it's they quite just funny. thought he was getting too old? It's quite funny because I, I wrote down what I felt were the key players for Bournemouth, uh, Mr. Billing, of course. Number one, he's a boss. Uh, Josh King, you know, he's been uh, a major... Uh, you can tell when he's missing from the side. Because they are lacking mm-hmm. a lot of goals. Their top goal scorer in the league this season is Callum Wilson. He's only got eight goals, which, to be fair, the amount of games he's played is one in three. And if you have any striker who gets one in three nowadays, or in any, in any generation of football, you take that. But if goals aren't coming from elsewhere, that's where the issue is. Um, another exactly, key, yeah. Other key players I thought, obviously Ake, same again. They were leaking lots of goals when he weren't in the side. Um, looking on here, they've scored 29 goals and have conceded 47. They're 18th mm-hmm. in the Premier League out of tw- and they've played 29 games. They're, they're shipping way too many. Jack Stacey, really like him. It's a shame for his age and his nationality that he's not going to get anywhere near the England side because he is a solid right-back, but it's a position where England have an abundance of. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd argue that was probably England's strongest position. Mm. And, you know, I'm also looking at where they're getting their goals from. 13 goals from set-pieces which is fantastic. I think it's uh, sort of the highest or the second highest in the Premier League this season. The games that they've won, uh, they've beaten Everton. What are Everton? It was only been a matter of time before I mentioned that. They've beaten Man United. They've beaten Chelsea. They've beaten Brighton, who are in and around them. And they've beaten Villa home and away, which we'll be speaking about Villa and Brighton. But where do Bournemouth, where, where are they meant to be? Well, uh, if you want to base it on history or very recent history that they've had in the Prem, they they were the club that was going to be in the, what, from eighth, maybe ninth, was probably being, eighth has been potentially too generous to them. But ninth, tenth, down to about 14th. So that middle middle group, isn't it? That's kind of where they finished the last few years. Um, but this season, I think we've you've mentioned it more than I have. 
they've had a lot of injuries this season, which has kind of obviously disrupted the flow uh, of a team, the dynamics of a team. When you bring in some new players and some players that were playing previously um, who had a, a influence, so such as your Begovic, okay, and then you think of your injuries to Brooksy, who was a big player for them last I year. So much. That's going to cause issues, and it's shown in, as you said, it shows in the in in, in their results. One thing that I've, I've I've kind of got from it is it's very inconsistent, isn't it? That's a very inconsistent Bournemouth. I mean, they'll go for a couple of stretches of period where they'll look pretty good, um, very hot and cold. I think I've said this on the show before. They're very hot and cold, aren't they? So they'll they'll have a good run of form for like three or four games where they look really good, and then they'll go without a win for like seven games or something stupid, and it's. They just can't seem to get that consistency that would allow you to move up the table. I mean, high points that they've had is that they, they're actually unbeaten against Chelsea this year. Something you've pointed out before, Gab, isn't it? They, right. they, 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 they beat them away, um, yeah, uh, which I don't think any anybody saw them winning that game, did they? I don't think anybody saw them. And then they, they drew with them at home to all. Um, some of the lower points was the... 4-0 thumping they got from West Ham. I remember that game. That was, uh, that yeah. was I think that was, wasn't that David Moyes' first game in charge for West Ham? I think it, it was. was as well. well. I think what the issue is from... with that one is that, that West Ham are a team in and around them. And when yes. you're down there, yes. you need to be beating the teams around you. Exactly. Or if, if you if you can't beat them, at least take some points off them, not surrender meekly like they, they did on the day, really. Um, I've got a low point for them, and I know that they didn't really care so much about the Cup, but there's no reason to be losing away to Burton Albion. <laughs> um, they lost, they I've lost got exactly the, same, yeah. exactly the same point, yeah. yeah. Giant <laughs> killing, Cup set, call it what you will. That's exactly. definitely a low point. So if you were going to grade them... Where would you rank them? So, based on recent history, uh, how they've done in the last couple of years, you know, you think if you can establish yourself as a Premier League club and team over two or three years, you should be then looking to to, to carry on. You know, you shouldn't be having a dip. Based on that and their inconsistencies that they had this season. Okay, I factored in, you know, that they had some injuries and I appreciate that there's some of their key players haven't been available to them. But I, if I was to grade them up to this point, I'd be looking at it about a D- minus for uh, for Bournemouth. Um, Semi-nice. I went straight with the E. Okay. Just because they, they are a mid-table club that are meant to be going forwards. Eddie Howe, we all we love Eddie Howe, but I think he might have ran his cause there. Yes, they have been dobbed by injuries, but with an average age of 26 of their squad, I look at that, I think that's a decent level of experience. You've got some decent mm-hmm. young players and some real strong heads in that group. And if you can't get out, the, out of that rut and into at least a mid-table and pushing for a ninth, eighth place, then you deserve to go down. They are ranked an E for me. Yeah, I mean, maybe I have been a bit kind on them because they, as as if the season's finished right now, they would be relegated, wouldn't they? As yeah. far as I'm aware. Yeah. So uh, again, how can you not give a team who's relegated uh, a really low grade? But I just think with some of the injuries that they've had, and yet I get it. I, I don't. I'm not quite. I'm still not quite sold on Eddie Howe. I know Adam. Uh, the Greek, he's quite a big fan of him, isn't he? But I'm, I'm not quite so, so hot on him as he is. 
but I, I certainly put into the fact that they have had quite a few injuries, potentially making their grade a little higher than, as, as I say, you did. Indeed. Hey, guys, if you uh, whoever's watching, you know, feel free to throw your two quids worth in. Alex Please. Is there, ready on the on the keys there. So if you have any questions, queries, you want to add your two quids worth in, feel free to do so. We're going to talk about Arsenal for a couple of moments. Please don't get too excited, Alex. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal, ninth place in the league. They are, they've got 40 points, um, which would be a benchmark for survival in a normal relegation situation. Alex, talk to me about Arsenal. Well, Arsenal, oh, I think this can be summed up into, into the season's kind of in three se three sections for me. So you've got the, the start where you had Emery. Um, then you had the really brief moment when Lundberg was in charge. And then obviously now you've got the Arteta uh, era going and it's not been great has it I mean if you look at the season as a whole we're well, I say we're sorry being an Arsenal fan there but ninth place having drawn the majority of the games I mean they've not lost many but they haven't certainly won many um, but they've drawn the majority of the games and it's just been a case of <sighs> inconsistent in inconsistency, no threat from midfield. Your your biggest threat from midfield left in the summer on a free, which looking at again at the transfers, uh, Ramsey, even though you didn't get anything for him, that was a big, big uh, loss from the squad, especially as we got no money coming in for him. Um, other major transfers, as everybody knows, Nicholas Pepe signed for a lot of money, over £70 million. Uh, Kieran Tierney, uh, signed for over twenty million pounds, as, as was William Saliba, uh, who was loaned back to Saint Etienne for the season, um, and then David Luiz uh, also signing, uh, which didn't sign for an awful lot, but a player yeah, of experience coming in. Um, however, the signing off the season has to be Gabriel Martinelli, based on the money that they've spent for him and the future that he does certainly hold. He, along, and this is what the, one of the high points I put for Arsenal. He, along with the emergence of uh, Bukayo Saka, uh, are definitely things for Arsenal fans and Arsenal to build upon going forwards. Um, you, you know, about the, you mentioned about the draws, Alex, and uh, you know, Arsenal are tied with Wolves for the most amount of draws in the league this season. 13 yeah. draws um, mm -hmm. defeats wise only 6 defeats in the league that's the second lowest also yes. tied with Wolves uh, only on, only Liverpool have lost less games than Arsenal and Wolves mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh, which uh, it is very much how Emery wanted his team to play it, it, it was it uh, didn't I remember when he first took over they asked him he had his first press conference. He was like, I want Arsenal to be the protagonist. I want us to be in the front foot, which if anybody who knew their soul and had actually researched Emery at all his previous clubs, he'd never done that. And his football was quite dire. And it turned out to be that was exactly the case that happened at Arsenal. He was neither attacking, nor was he really solid defensively, because we both know, having watched Arsenal over the last two, two years, under his, or year and a half, under his... Manager, managerial shit, they were far too easy to get at, weren't they? Teams could, I mean, 
one of the low points I put was that away. I know it was only a draw. It was a draw away against Watford, but it, it was more for the fact that Arsenal were winning 2-0, but Watford had something stupid like 35 shots on the Arsenal goal that day. And it was like, that was just stupid. How can you let a team up to that point? Watford, I don't think they've won a game. They've lost every single game up to that point. Something like four or five points uh, at that point as well. Um, Arsenal have never really shied away from their idea of running a game in terms of possession. The average possession in the season this year is 84, sorry, 84, can you imagine that? Uh, (laughs) 54.4%. They get 11 shots off per game. My concern is disciplinary levels. 63 yellows, three red cards. Yeah, uh, and uh, that plays into one of the high points I meant. The game against Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Your red card for David Luiz. Uh, uh, It was built upon a mistake by... Mustafi, if we can remember, yeah. and I think that's something that should be built into that. I think Arsenal, I think they they certainly are the league leaders for individual errors leading to mistakes. I know Bert Leno, since he signed for Arsenal, is joint top of the errors leading to mistakes, uh, errors leading to goals for the opposition amongst goalkeepers within that period. Mm. Even though we think that, I, I certainly think that he's actually a pretty decent goalkeeper, that is still actually quite a worrying stat. Um, but do you feel that but, those errors have come along because of what he's got in front of him? Do you think yeah, that... Yeah, potentially. You know, because uh, definitely. It, it doesn't matter who you are as a goalkeeper. If you're left there exposed... I mean, I can only think of... Well, there have been a number of mistakes, as you've alluded to, but there's only one key mistake that I can really think of, and that was the one against Chelsea at the Emirates, where he's, come out, he's, he's not needed to come out, and he's sort of like flapped it, and he's allowed Chelsea to equalise. Yeah, uh, that is the most glaring one, isn't it? I mean, especially because when you take into the context of the game of that match, Arsenal played really well up to that point and uh, and were looking well worth the win. Uh, And then that goal that they got meant that uh, they got the equaliser. Arsenal tried to push on and Chelsea then capitalised by hitting on the break and scoring the goal uh, through Abraham. So, but... Going back to the ill-discipline, I think that's a mixture of things. It's down to ill-discipline, poor positional play, uh, meaning that they've had to lunge in and, 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 and do, a, uh, do, a, do a foul. <laughs> Talk English, Alex. Make a foul. <laughs> I mean, and Granite Xhaka, we both know that he loves a booking. Uh, and uh, a couple of friends of ours do regularly put money on for him to get gamble said uh, booking. Gam- gamble responsibly. But... Um, that game against Chelsea away was definitely a high point because it showed that they actually had a bit of character to them uh, and they looked like they were definitely fighting for the cause, especially under the new manager of Mikel Arteta. Now, with, whether they'd been able to have done that under previous management, it's, it's conjecture, isn't it? I would like to think that they would probably... I certainly am of the opinion they probably wouldn't have done, but regardless they came away out of that game with a lot of credit in my view anyway i don't know how you saw yeah, uh, how no, that, i, I can, that I can see that and i understand that um only one goal conceded from a counter attack um which i think is great but 12 from set pieces um Aubameyang yeah. is the leading goal scorer for arsenal 17 goals you take his goals away that leaves arsenal on a lowly 23 which would be less than 
all the teams in the Premier League, including Norwich. Scoring um, goals has been the problem. Uh, you look at you look at our previous Arsenal sides and this Arsenal side. They 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 don't score score anywhere near enough. And I think that's because there's an over reliance on Aubameyang, isn't it? There's an over reliance on him to provide the goals. And if he's not having a good day, or the other team are able to nullify him, who else is going to score? Um, you know, and uh, that's where someone like Aaron Ramsey was perfect because he was your goal threat for midfield, like the Paul Scholes of old, arriving into the box late, scoring a goal there. Frank Lampard, you know, goes along with that as well. You know, someone who can score from distance, but also, as I say, find himself popping up in the around the penalty spot and tucking away a cross that would have not necessarily been there to be scored from, you know? Yeah, very true. Um, so, great Arsenal. I'm going with a D. Uh, for this one uh, again uh, it's as I said it's split up into three three parts the first if it was if it was just the first section it would have been an E the second section an E plus but with a bit of a resurgence under Mikel Arteta I mean, everybody who follows the show and is a regular watcher would know my thoughts on Mikel Arteta but I think the results and the uh, the eye test is there for people to see that there is a clear improvement under his steward, stewardship but overall I'm going to give it a D yeah I, it a D. I went with a D I, I look at it if I was looking at it from just when Arteta's come in you know that I I am I am sceptical, but I'm a fan of him. And I want him to do well, because I want him to do well for us. I want all young managers, that, especially players that I've seen in my teenage years or youth and now seeing them come through as, as a manager, I want them all to do well. I don't care what club it is, where they're from or anything like that. So... I'm I'm very I'm really keen to see him see him do well. If I was just ranking his area of the season, I'll probably be looking at giving him a C, maybe a B, uh, because mm. Arsenal yeah. are still unbeaten in the Premier League this year. Um, yeah. Aston Villa. What was your overall grade? Sorry, I didn't. I didn't oh, get no, it. I went with well, you. Before. Said, well, was, with, a, with, with a D as well. well. Oh, yeah, with a D. Cool. Um, so Aston Villa, nineteenth in the Premier League, twenty-five points, seven wins, four draws, seventeen defeats. Villa. Villa. Uh, well, looking at their transfer bi- uh, business that they did over the summer, they brought in a, a lot of players. Now, uh, again, as I mentioned before, I was just focusing on sort of the ones that I thought would be done at a first team level. And just based on the uh, information and research that I've got here, I'm just going to count to you the amount of players that they signed over the summer. Um, so you have Wesley was your top uh Spend or your highest expenditure at just 20, uh, 22 and a half million pounds. Then you had Tyro Mings, who we mentioned previously with Bournemouth. He came in for 20 million. Then you had Douglas Louise came in at 15. Then we go down still. Tart Matt Target from Southampton. Uh, Konsa, who came in. Nakamba, uh, Samata, El Ghazi, Tom Heaton, uh, Bjorn Engels, uh, Jota from Birmingham, not the one from Wolves, uh, Howes, and then uh, during the January transfer window, they brought in Pepe Reina and then Danny Drinkwater. I mean, that is a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Fourteen players that have come into the squad over the summer transfer window and also the winter one. There is a lot of turnaround with that and very hard for a team to gel 
get to know each other, build that chemistry, that di- dynamic, as they would you say in 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 football manager, uh, to 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 cohesively perform as a team, you know, and I think that's played as a big part of Aston Villa's season. Uh, they've been good in parts, but they've also been poor in parts. And a lot of that would be down to the fact that players aren't used to each other. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on that were, really. Yeah, um, for me, Aston Villa, they are an 80-minute team. They don't know how to perform for a full match and I've got a a number of examples here Um, and the number of points that they've dropped so they're leading against Arsenal in the last 10 minutes they lose that game so that's three points dropped they're leading in the last 10 minutes against Tottenham they lose that game 3-1 after being 1-0 up that's another two points dropped um, three points dropped I should say Um, they were leading against Burnley and Burnley allowed to come back Uh, in fact they took the lead against Burnley with with 12 minutes left on the clock and then uh, with 10 minutes left on the clock they allowed Burnley to equalise that's two points dropped Liverpool they're 1-0 up and don't get me wrong we all know what Liverpool have done this year it's been absolutely remarkable they're arguably the best the best team to ever play in the Premier League in terms of how they've just swiped teams away. And even though they've been in situations where they've left it late, they've been peppering and peppering and peppering. But in this situation, you know, Villa, they allowed to, they absorbed the pressure, but they held it and they dealt with it. But with four, with four minutes left on the clock, they're 1-0 up. Final whistle, 2-1 Liverpool. Spurs, they absolutely battered them in, in the game uh, not too long ago when Son scored. Um, they were one up. They went two up. They they gave away a silly penalty. They gave away they gave away a silly goal right at the end. Twelve points dropped in last ten minutes of games. Now you win those games, that puts them on thirty seven points. But that's just the games that they've lost in the last ten minutes. There's been so many games where they've been ahead, where they've been leading. They should for how they're throwing points away, if they were to able to maintain that, use that mentality and, you know, just be a little bit more astute, they would be on 40, 45 points. And look at the table this year, 45 points, what Man United are on. And they're in fifth. Yeah, uh, whereas we know this table is quite condensed, isn't it, uh, from about fourth down downwards so yeah uh, absolutely uh, Villa have had a number of winning positions that they've let slip and that could be again down to the fact that they not got the necessary quality in I mean out of those players that they've signed over the summer I mean uh, any of those really the kind of difference makers that you would expect to um, really make a difference that in those situations they can rely on them to keep that lead you know it, 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 a leader or, or somebody who was able to control the game once they got into that position um, because maybe they could have got the same maybe they I'm looking at it as could they have not signed as many players but signed maybe four or five players instead but of better quality rather than going for the let's try and build out a brand new squad which is kind of what looking at their transfer business is what they've done you know um my my manager um at um, at the old bnf is a massive massive villa fan 
and I, I speak to him regularly about, about football and especially about the Villa because I've got a little soft spot for Villa. Anytime I've played an old school football manager, I always use Villa. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> um, a good friend of us personally, Wesley Emery, and a friend of the show, he used to play for Villa when he was a kid. Um, yeah. His, his very good friend, Barry Bannon, came through the ranks there as well. He's at Sheffield um, Wednesday now. And, you know, there's a lot of Villa players that, um, that I'm aware of and that I've been akin to over the years. The thing with Aston Villa, they are not consistent. It's easy to say yep. that, but you look at the the players that have come in, even when the players have been fit. You know, you look at you look at defensively. Sometimes they go with three at the back. Sometimes they go four at the back. But when they go four at the back, going forwards, are they playing? Four two three one. They're playing four three three. They're just mixing it up too much. They've also used four goalkeepers in the Premier League this year, just in the Premier League. Four. And if you want the one person that needs to have a consistent in your team, has to be your goalkeeper. If you're not getting on with that goalkeeper, you switch them for one more. Yes, they lost Tom Heaton to injury, but they've also played um, um, Neeland. They've played. Uh, they brought in Rainer, and there was there was one more. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but it's the fact that they've, they've played four. It's just not good enough. Um, I do want to talk about a couple of high points, though. Um, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, we're sounding all doom, doom and gloom, but there's definitely been some high points for them. First of all, main. I think mainly, even though he hasn't emerged, but I would say the emergence. So that's the only word I could think of of Jack Grealish as a top class player. I know he had previous uh, history with the Premier League, and he didn't didn't quite light it up like was expected. But I think that was mainly down to immaturity. Uh, he was quite young still at that point. Exact, yeah, attitude which plays into immaturity. But he he got humbled a bit. It seems like he got humbled a bit because he was it was undoubtedly that he had a lot of ability. And I think that when he first broke into the team, he was. Definitely, just trying to rely on that uh, that ability to get him through, rather than aligning it with uh, a, a, a work rate and an attitude of yeah. being able to knuckle down and actually play for the team, rather than kind of just be like, "Oh well, I'm just doing it for myself," kind of thing. Those years spent in the championship and him growing up. I mean, we we remember when we were like when we were his age, nineteen twenty. <laughs> uh, I know we weren't earning the amount of money that he was at that age, but if we were, we probably would have made we'd have made some stupid decisions. I I definitely would have done some stupid stuff. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, he was definitely he's definitely a high point as well as their uh, run to the League Cup final as well. I would say. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I've looked at uh, from a league point, um, the the five one win away to Norwich. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, massive. They obviously both came up together last year. But what I really enjoyed about that victory is not just the fact that they they wiped them, wiped them clean, but they backed it up with a two one win over Brighton, and that is really really important. It's like you know you know me, I love my darts. That's like you know. Hitting a good term, um, uh, term visit and then following up with a term visit. What happens normally with these sort of teams, they'll make that result, like for instance, like what Norwich did. We'll talk about Norwich in a couple of weeks in depth, but they, they beat Man City and it's like, wow, that's like your 180. And then they lost the following week and it's like, score, like the next visit, scoring like a two. You know, it's, yeah. it's, just, <laughs> just, it's just not feasible. Um, where do you rank Aston Villa? Uh, so I ranked Aston Villa. A D plus uh, for me. 
Um, I, I think going up, I'm pretty certain pre-season before the league started, a lot of a lot of there was a lot of feeling about Villa being okay that they weren't going to be uh, say Wolves from the previous year, mm. uh, but. I got the feeling that a lot of people didn't think that they would be in too much trouble. They, they were certainly thinking that they would um, not be in the relegation scrap. So, uh, a couple with the pre-season expectations, along with their poor form in the league, their inconsistencies, but also with a couple of high points, as you mentioned, the 5-1 result against Norwich, Jack Grealish. Oh, we can't forget John McGinn as well. I know he has been in, out injured for a large part big of this miss. season. It's been a big miss. And I think it's their more poor run of form, their inconsistent form really started to kick in when he left the team, which is understandable. Um, I think all of that put together is a D-plus D plus for me. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I look at the, some results that they've had uh, against teams that are in and around them. I mentioned that Norwich game where they beat them 5-1. They actually did a double over Norwich this season, which is... You know, remarkable because they're a team in and around them. Mm-hmm. However, Bournemouth, they're a position above them in the league, and they and Bournemouth won both of those games. Uh, you know, it's just it's just not not good enough. One win, one defeat against Watford. Um, they uh, they lost against West Ham. They obviously they're due to play them again. It looks like it will be behind closed doors in time. And Brighton, I mentioned the Brighton game where they um, where they won after the Norwich game but they also got a point out of them as well so that's that's four points from a possible six so it's a bit indifferent the results in and around them but they need to be doing more and it's what I mentioned earlier about the number of points lost in the last 10 minutes in the game the number of games lost in that last 10 minutes so I've, I've ranked them a D as well yeah right Brighton, um, they are 15th in the Premier League. They've got 29 points, 6 wins, 11 draws and 12 defeats. Um, I'm, I'm going to kick off with this one, actually, Alex, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, you take the um, lead on this one, yeah. yeah they cool. sacked Chrissy Hewton. And, Alex, you know, I'm a big fan. I know you're a big fan of Chris Hewton. He's one of the, the gentlemen of football, but we're not going by him because he's a gentleman of football. He's also got a very, very good footballing brain. Everything that he's done at Newcastle, uh, Tottenham when he was coaching there, you know, uh, look what he did with Norwich. You know, he turned them into into a name again. They brought in Graham Potter in the summer, um, who's a relatively unproven manager. Didn't do too well in the championship. He had an okay season. He did all right with Ostersunds. In, in in Scandinavia. He's bought in a new brand of football, which is quite nice. I'll say a new brand. It's very, very similar to what Sheffield United are doing, but Sheffield United are getting more plaudits because of their position in the league. They've got the... They sort of like play three at the back, so to speak, but then they've got the overlapping centre-halves and allow your wing-backs slash full-backs to come in and tuck in and, and, and fill their position. It's really nice to watch. It's very fluid. The issue is... They're not improving. And I wrote this in bits of bolts down. We've played 29 games, as I said before. So in the 17-18 season, when they first came up at this stage, uh, they were 10th with 34 points. It's all under Chris Hewton as well. Um, the 18-19 season, they were 15th with 30 points. And this season, they're 15th with 29 points. So I'm not seeing any growth or any forward progress. But that's the whole reason why they bought Potter in and, and got rid yeah. of Hewton. 
the issue is now, is signed a long-term deal, a six-year deal, very Pardew-esque. So I, I, I'm not a big fan of what Brighton have done. Also, may I add, they've only got one win in the last 14 games in the Premier League, and that was against Bournemouth on the 28th of December, and that was a 2-0 win. Yes, uh, I had seen that they had struggled for victories, in, not just in the in the league, but in all competitions, certainly recently, which will only play into a team's psyche and morale and form going forwards. Now, they would certainly, I think they would certainly benefit from this break. Um, they are definitely one of those teams, aren't they, that uh, would benefit from this extended break that's been uh, forced upon us, unfortunately, uh, as everybody is well aware of the situation around uh, the world right now. But um, you're right. It, it, it does, when you go on the different uh, of previous seasons at points totals, they have had they have been in a stronger position with more points totals than they were at this stage of the season. However, what I will say is they have had a change manager, which you correctly pointed out, which was brought about it a new style, a new philosophy, along with some of the players that they've signed in, meaning that, you know, that does take time to bed in. Yeah. So I would actually argue that they're probably doing all right. And it's probably, I think Brighton, as you say, gave them a six-year contract, which does smack of Alan Pardew at Newcastle. But I have a feeling that Graham Potter is a slightly better manager than Alan Pardew and I think that they are building towards something um, certainly uh, that's how I view Brighton uh, I know that they have struggled to turn draws into wins because I think they, they, they've they only drawn a game or two games less than Arsenal yeah, Wolves, haven't draws. they uh, so they, 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 they certainly uh, have had a couple of opportunities to turn some of those into wins and if they had then they would be looking further up the table. You know, a couple of the, those draws, if you turn them into wins, that's an extra four, four or five points that they would have and they would be comfortably clear of the relegation zone and they would be, what, uh, in that mid-table region. Uh, mm. they, I think they've made some... I think he's made some astute signings. Neil Mopai, I know that you're a fan of him. Dan Webster as well, uh, again, fan a, 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 fan, a fan of him as well. And he plays into those three centre-halves too. Remember, we went and watched... Um, no, hang on, we didn't want to watch that. We watched Sheffield United, didn't we? But uh, as, uh, again, as you mentioned, the team, they're very much bright and similar to, but they've got those three big centre-halves, haven't they? The Dan Webster, Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy all very tall, very strong, very powerful. And they, they, they can actually play with the football a bit as well. So it, it, it is not like they're just the old centre-halves of the 1980s and 1990s that would be chop you down and kick the ball into the stands, you know, if they, if, they, if they ever got in trouble, sort of uh, defender. They are players who can actually, you can trust them with the ball to be able to play it about a bit. Now, having said all that, they they have, as you said, only won one game in the last 14. But uh, a high point is that they've actually been very tough to beat. A lot of their draw, a lot of their defeats have been by the odd goal, and that would go into them drawing a lot of games. So they don't lose, they, they don't get beaten heavily. The only the biggest loss this season was Man City away four nil. Uh, there's been no other game that they've lost by more than three goals. That it's always been by the odd goal. 
here, like a 2-1, 1-0. And when, I think there was one game where they lost to, I think it was Man, Man United, they lost 3-1, which was their second biggest, heaviest defeat this season. So they certainly, they are in a lot of games. They just have found themselves not quite able to turn it into a victory. Um, so I certainly think that they're tough to beat and it's certainly a lot to, to build on going forwards. I, I actually gave them the best grade out of the five clubs that we are discussing today. Oh, did you really? Huh. I oh. did. Um, I I haven't given them a good grade. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this is, this is and, interesting because this, this just shows us how, how we look at it, uh, how you look at it and how I look at it. So I, I go, I'll jump in and say I gave them a C-. Mi- a C minus. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them a D. Okay. Uh, and uh, what, what are your thoughts on or what are your reasons for giving them the D overall? Well, I'll, I'll look at... Well... I like Mopai. Mopai is their top goal scorer on eight goals. Their second highest goal skill scorer. Well, actually, they've got two. One of them is, is Dan Webster, who is a centre-back. And the other one is Trossard, who hasn't played that many minutes as such. Connolly is meant to be a big thing coming through, blah, blah, blah. He has scored two goals for Brighton. And both of those were against Tottenham. That's the the game where he announced himself, if you want to call it that. And the fact that he hasn't scored since is a big, big worry. Um, Duncan Duffy at the back. We all know they're they're good players. We like them. Dunk has played all but one game this season. Fantastic. Duffy, he's only played 15. Um, and it's because they're, they're just making too many chops and changes at the moment because they can't find... They, they, I don't think they... I don't, I don't think Graham Potter really knows exactly what his best team is yet. And if you don't, that's bad because he's been there for the whole of the pre-season. He's brought players in. You should you should know by after, after 10, 11 games, if everyone's fit or fit enough, you should know what your best 11 is or your best 12, 13 players are. And I, I, I think even though they play football, which is very easy on the eye, I think they're going backwards. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did go down. I don't think they will. I think they'll... I think they'll be safe this year, but if they did go down, it really wouldn't be a big surprise. So I've given them a D. It's funny because I've gone the completely different way. And I, I actually think that Brighton, are, 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 personally, I think they're in a, a pretty good standing. And I think that they're actually going to go up in the next couple of seasons and take that next step forward. Uh, and that's why I've certainly given them a C-, minus, um, having taken into the yet they've got a new manager, yet they've signed some new players and they're trying to play football in a different way than they did do under Chrissy Hewton. And I certainly think that being able to do that and still survive in the Premier League and still relatively be OK, I think that they've done down there. <laughs> so you've got you've gone, you've gone C-, minus. that's your highest grade out of all these five? And we haven't spoken about Burnley yet. That is the highest, highest... Oh, uh, Jot, <laughs> tell her I, I gave Burnley the highest grade out of everybody. Exactly, I was going to say, I think we need to talk about Burnley. Um, sorry, but... I've just Burnley. looked at my notes and I realised that I've just talked a load of rubbish there One about Brighton. But basically, uh, I, I still stand by what I say about Brighton. I think that I certainly see there's a good future ahead of them. Cue yeah. them to get relegated this season and Potter gets sacked. Fair. <laughs> uh, that's a big payout uh, if that is happening. Uh, Burnley. Uh, gamble well, responsibly, eight. kids. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> um, Burnley, they're 10th in the Premier League. 11 wins, 6 draws, 12 defeats, 39 points. Um, they are just 6 points shy 
of fifth place Manchester United. Um, they've scored 34 goals, they've conceded 40. Um, why don't we have a chat about Burnley? What's going on? So, Burnley, uh, they were relatively quiet in the summer transfer window. There was not a lot of players coming in. I suppose the most uh, significant one, looking at the players that did come in, was Jay Rodriguez, and they got him for a bit of a steal, to be honest, at £5 million. Pounds. Right. Uh, no. Uh, the uh, one major departure was Tom Heaton, as we've discussed, went to Villa. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't realise that Naki Wells was actually on the books at Burnley. I didn't realise he was still on the books until about February time when they were talking about him. I was like, whoa, is he still but there? They, they, they actually sold him. Uh, so yeah. they must have sold him in the January transfer window. But I didn't realise that he was actually on their books. As Also, I didn't realise that Stephen... There's Stephen Defoe. They 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 let him go on a free because uh, I thought he was a fairly decent player and one player oh, I know on on chap- football manager. Yeah, I was just Always. about to say he was a football manager, a bit of a legend there in the early uh, earlier this decade, wasn't he? Uh, From my uh, and they also side, had on FM12. I FM12 was it FM11. I had him and John Joe Shelby as my uh, as my two midfielders, and they absolutely <laughs> tore it up. It was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Oh. Football manager, uh, uh, ruining footballers' careers due to virtual uh, bigness or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, anyway, Bur- Burnley, um, they've been quite consistent. I know last year was a bit of a down year, wasn't it, in terms of where they'd finished previously. They, they kind of found themselves in a semi-relegation scrap but managed to stay up. Um But this year, they kind of returned back to the season before that where they were, again playing a bit of a spoiler to the bigger clubs Sean Dyche he's creating a bit of a us versus the world kind of mentality uh, doesn't he that's the kind of vibe that I get from him and the players buy into that and mm. um, what I will say though is they do and this will reflect in their position in the league they have been fairly inconsistent they haven't actually had a, a run of uh, games where they've managed to avoid defeat, pick up points, pick up wins. Uh, they've kind of won two, then they've lost two, then they've won a game, lost a game. They've drawn a couple, uh, won a game, lost some more. They haven't been able to build, say, a five, six, seven, eight game unbeaten run where they've won uh, and they've been able to pick up the, uh, to go up the, up the league. Now, maybe that's asking too much of them. I don't know. I'd like to think that now that they've been in the Premier League for a good number of seasons, what, this is their third or is this their fourth season now in the Premier League since they got uh, promoted yeah, they back? Come back uh, fourth, yeah. Or, yeah, fourth, I think. It's fourth season, so uh, you would like to think at this stage they are now considered an established Premier League side, so you should be looking to kick on. But regardless, having said all that, I think Burnley have been... Uh, they've certainly proved that they are a difficult-to-beat team albeit inconsistent from what I uh, from what I gather well, or what the, I the think. Last, the last few games, they have really turned it on and, and pulled it out of the bag. So um, I was going to say that, actually, yeah. Recently, yeah. up until the break, they've been... Was it? This is their longest unbeaten streak of the season, I think yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, seven. Unbeaten in seven. Now, they beat Man United at Old Trafford. It's the first yeah, time. Yeah, that's a high point. Absolute madness. Um, they beat Leicester in January as well, which was an absolute acabuster gamble responsibly, boys and girls. And then they got <laughs> a point uh, against Arsenal at home, which the game was a really should have won. So they got seven 
out of nine, out of possible nine, and no one believed that. But they backed that up with a 2 1 win over Southampton, a 3 0 win over Bournemouth, 0 0 draw with Newcastle, and a 1 0 draw with Spurs. So they're on a beautiful, beautiful run. Now, my concerns with Burnley are Dwight McNeil, what a player, what a talent. Um, I'm going to come back to him in a minute because I really want to talk about him. But he's 21. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Brownell, they bought in from, uh, from Brentford, I think it was. He's 24 years old. Take those two out. There's only three players under the age of 28. Yes, it's a very experienced squad, isn't it? Um, which is a worry. And aged. Now... Is that because Burnley don't have as much money as other clubs, and they, you know, younger spending their money, younger players, younger players? Maybe that, maybe they're keeping their coffers dry for uh, to bring in some younger players because younger players do cost more money because you're buying for potential, you're buying for uh, the amount of years that they could be potentially available for your team, um, and. <sighs> Yeah, that is a worry. If I was a Burnley fan, I was looking at that because uh, you'd be thinking, well, this is the maximum that they are going to play. The, the, the ability of the team is not going to get any better than they are right now. So mm. it does look like they will need a bit of a refresh. Now, I still think there's a year or so that they can, they've can they got there where they can blood in and try and get in a few younger players and still have some of the older heads there to guide them along. But it's going to be a case of they've got to do it now, otherwise it's going to be too late. Yeah. Um, Chris Wood, he scored 11 goals this season for Burnley in the Premier League. It's his highest goal return for, for Burnley, well, in the Premier League, in, in his career. Works out one in two, pretty much, with uh-huh. you know the amount of games that he's played. What are your thoughts on Chris Wood? He's a throwback, I think. He's a bit of a throwback, isn't he, to your old battering ram of a striker. Mm-hmm. Which um, in today's football is a strange, it's kind of a strange, outdated concept. I mean, the last really battering ram of a striker I can think of was Didier Drogba. And well, I, I was a massive fan of Drogba. I yeah, thought he was, I I think it was really good. As well. Yeah, he, he constantly tormented Arsenal, didn't he? Um, there for the majority of his Chelsea career. But. He is certainly not on Drogba's level, but he is of a certain, certainly a good level because, as you say, he's got a very decent record there, and he's still been able to carry on in the Premier League as well. So, I, I, I mean, I, I'd say he's a, he's a pretty good standard level of striker in the Premier League, and fair play to him for being able to carve that career and uh, maximise his ability. Um, I, I think that says a lot about him and also about the manager being able to get that out of him, you know? Yeah, he's, he's 28 years old, you know, good age for a striker. Um, you know, he's had to deal with many different partners this year, you know, but it's sort of like seeming to settle a little bit more with J-Rod, uh, J-Rodriguez, of course, that is. And after... You know, starting off the season with Ashley Barnes, who's been dogged with injury, and now he's finding it hard to he'll find it hard to get back in the team. But do you think Chris Wood has found his level, or can yeah, he make a this further is, step up? No, I think this is his level, and I mean, this is a pretty good level. We talk about here mid-table in the Premier League. I would suggest that was probably a lot stronger than a lot of mid-tables around Europe and other major Europe, major leagues, you know. So I would certainly put Burnley in the, certainly the upper echelon of football, you know. You think about the all the clubs that are out there, 
Burnley are certainly within the top 5% of all those clubs. And, I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed of, really. Mm. Um, Dwight McNeil, I sort of wanted to go back to him. I was going to say, yeah, talk to me about yeah, Dwight McNeil. He, 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 came, he came out of the ranks, uh, he, well, he was actually on the books at City, I never remember which one he was on the books at, but he was released from there, you know, he's gone over to Burnley, he's tried to make a career out of himself, is a good young player, he's got a left foot, he is. He could play anywhere, like if you're playing a four-two-three-one, he could play anywhere in that three. What What are your thoughts on this talent? I think I think he's an absolutely wonderful talent. I think I think he's certainly a player to keep an eye on, and uh, he, he kind of. And right before you jump on this, I'm not saying he is. Or he's as good as him, but he kind of reminds me in the play, in the style that he plays. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Angel Di Maria. Now I'm not saying he's to the same level as Di Maria, but the way that he goes about his football is very similar. Very high energy, not quite quick, not like certainly uh, electric pace. That uh, Di Maria doesn't have electric pace, but somebody who's pretty tight dribbler. And he has got a bit of a finish. He can have a finish on them as well and yeah, deliver a. Exactly, and can deliver a final pass as well. He just needs to be able to, as a youngster, you're going to have inconsistent moments. But I, he does remind me of Angel Di Maria a little bit. And, and uh, I don't know whether he, I certainly don't think he will carve out the career that he certainly, I'm not pretty certain he won't go and on to play for Real Madrid, PSG, Man United. But well, why not? Why not? This is the thing. Well, well, yeah, well okay, yeah. I mean, I look at I, him and he's got everything you need in a winger. You know, he could cross, he could score, he's got enough pace to, to get past players, you know, he's, he's easy on the eye, you know, he's got, you know, a wonderful touch and he's young, you know, if, well, like if he mm. was to go make a move to like a Leipzig or a Dortmund or a Hoffenheim or something, I could see him making a name for himself. I think he, uh, he needs to move on from Burnley. I, I, love I was going to say that, yeah. I've actually given yeah. Burnley a B. I'd say, I've given them a B as well, yeah. I've given them a B, and I think they're fully deserved of this B grade as well, but it is Burnley, and if you're, like, as I said, like, unless Burnley are going to have, like, some mad overhaul and make changes to their evergreen side, you know, the average age is, like, over 29, and he's 21. So he's made his boy. His boy down. Take him out the side. Take Josh Brown out the side. You're looking at 30, 31 as an average age. And you know, is he going to be able to grow at a team like Burnley? I don't think he will. And that's no disrespect to Burnley. It's more of a respect level to of Dwight McNeil. Yeah, absolutely. He. I think he's going to need to go to a club which is going to be slightly more adventurous than Burnley. Um, where the coaching I also think the coaching will be a more adventurous uh, as well for him in order for him to sort of hopefully realise his quite big potential yeah good stuff any other business Alex? Uh, no, uh, other than again, just guys, thank you very much for all the support that you you've uh, you've shown the, the page over uh, the last few weeks, months, and we thank you for that. And again, please like, share the page, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, and just keep uh, interacting with us. And we and also we'd love to hear your thoughts. Tell us what 
um, you would like to see in the show? You know, would you like us to do a certain segment? Was there something that we we don't do well? Please, any feedback that you guys can give us, we'd love to hear it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you you're you're exactly the same, Gav. You know, we're always looking for ways to improve the show, to improve the content we. Yeah. 100%. You just broke up a tiny bit there, um, right at the end. But, you know, um, oh. I echo everything that what you say there. Um, big thanks to uh, to Switcher as well. What a, what a great application you guys are running. Um, <laughs> we've been watching two up top uh, with myself, Gav Mack, and Alex Osborne. You may have been listening to us on a podcast. I need to try and work out a way now how to uh, rip this off here and uh, put this on a podcast because once it's... This, this COVID stuff, honestly, it, it's made things very, very difficult and um, <laughs> it's, it's costing us a lot of money to do this. Well, that's not me asking for a Just Giving page, um, but feel free to, to give responsibly. Uh, thank you uh, for watching the show. As I said before, it's myself, Gav Mack, and that over there is Alex Osborne. Thank you and goodbye.